Today is Hei Teves, the fifth day of Teves. It's the day that has become known as the Dan Notzach, the day of victory, which marks the uh, decision in the U.S. federal court, which ruled that uh, the library and collection of Svodim and Ksovim of the Chabad Rabbeim belong exclusively to the Agudas Chsideh Chabad. This is the day on which Didan Notzach openly, in view of all the nations in the federal court, with regard to the Svarim and Ksavim of the Rabbeim, so that the library was ruled to belong to the Rebbe and was eventually brought back intact to 770. The Tanya for today is at the beginning of Pedic Vov, chapter 6. But before we begin, last yesterday we ran out of time a little bit on the tape. In the end of chapter 5, the Alter Rebbe is talking about the, the virtue, the advantage that there is in the study of Torah, in the knowledge of Torah, over other mitzvahs. Because other mitzvahs are like garments, the godliness of the mitzvah surrounds the person from his head to his foot like a garment and the Torah when he understands the Torah that he's learning is like a mozin like a food that nourishes from inside in the study of Torah the study of Torah is a mitzvah and it is also a knowledge so you have both you have the garment the godliness that surrounds and you have the food, the godliness, that is internalized and that nourishes from the inside. Of course, a garment also nourishes to some, to some extent. A person's garments protect him, they, they put him in a certain mood, they give him a certain dignity. So that too is a nurturing of sorts, but it's an external nurturing. It comes from the outside and produces an external kind of nurture whereas Teza is taken internally and it nurtures from the inside. Then the Al-Tarebbe goes on to say that it is just like physical food, just as with bread. The, the way that bread nourishes the body is when it is taken internally, when it's ingested and then absorbed within the person and there transformed to where it becomes flesh and blood. Then it gives life to the body then it nourishes the body. The same is true with the study of Torah. When does the study of Torah nourish the soul? When does it nourish the, the person? When it is internalized, absorbed, and transformed into the person. If the bread were to remain bread within the, within the stomach, then it wouldn't nurture the person at all. It might even make him sick. Same is true with Torah. The Torah has to be ingested and digested to where it becomes the person's way of thinking. Not only does he know what the Torah says or what Torah thinks, but he begins to think the same way. Torah becomes his way of thinking. And for this, the Alter Rebbe goes on to say, quoting the, the, uh, the, the Itzchayim, that the garments of the Neshama in Gan Eden are the mitzvahs that he did while he was on earth. And the food of the Neshama in Gan Eden is the Torah that it studied here on earth, Lishma. Studied for, 
for its own sake. And then the Al-Qadab explains what Lishma means, which seems to be uh, peripheral to the, to the discussion or to the topic that uh, Pedek Hey of Tanya is dealing with. Whether it's Teir Lishma or what Teir Lishma means seems to be a, a separate subject and not relevant to the fact that Teir is internalized and nourishes from within. But the idea is that the Alter Rebbe has to explain that Teir Lishma means not for the sake of knowing Teir. The Alter Rebbe says that Teir Lishma means Kedei Lekashem Nafshe Lahashem Alidei Hasagis that the study of Teir Lishma means studying with the intention of binding the Neshama to God through the learning of Teir. And this is a necessary detail in this description because when is Teira an internal nourishment only when it becomes absorbed and loses itself within the person like bread becomes absorbed within the body and, and loses itself within the body becomes flesh and blood. If a person studies Teira because he wants to know what Teira says then the Teira remains Teira even when it's within him. And he and Teira remain two separate things. He knows the Teira. But he and Teira are two separate things. The, the nourishment that comes from Teira, the godliness is extracted from Teira when a person studies Teira Lishma. And Lishma means for the sake of the godliness of Teira. For the, for the sake of Lakasha Nafshel Hashem, in order to get closer, to connect his Nefesh to God, then the Teira becomes a nourishment within him it becomes his flesh and blood, so to speak. And that is the greatness that Teda has over mitzvahs. Then the Alter Rebbe says that the fact is that in the study of Teda, not only is there the internal nourishment and some external nourishment by the fact that knowing Teda is also a mitzvah like every other mitzvah, but in the act of studying Teda, when you study Teda out loud and you verbalize, you say the words, that is an actual mitzvah. So that in the study of Torah, you have the act of studying and then the knowledge that results from it. The knowledge that results from it is a true internal nourishment, a food for the neshama. And the mitzvah of studying Torah, the act of studying, is a true mitzvah, a true garment in the full sense of the word so that you have both a garment and a food. And now... Chapter 6. Having explained that there are two souls, a godly soul, which is a part of God, and an animal soul, which comes from Klippa, each of them has ten powers, three intellectual powers and seven emotions. Each of them has three garments, thought, speech, and deed. Now, the question is, how do they get along? What kind of existence or coexistence do they have? Pedic Vov. God created unholiness, opposite holiness. Unholiness is the opposite or a reflection of holiness. So that for everything that exists in holiness, there is its opposite, its reflection, which is unholiness. A reflection being a, a false, imaginary thing. 
Because just as the godly soul consists of ten attributes that are holy, and their these ten attributes express themselves through the garments, they are clothed in the three garments that are also holy. The same is true about of the other soul, the soul that comes from the other side, from klipa, which is nega, the klipa that has a little bit of brightness to it. Which is clothed, this neshama, this nefesh, is clothed in the blood to give life to the body. This soul too, is klula me'eser kisrin de mesa'avusa. It also consists of ten crowns of unholiness. Unholy crowns. The ten attributes in the animal soul, in the unholy soul, are called crowns. In that there is very, there is no real or true cooperation between them, since there is no bittle in unholiness, so there is no flexibility on the part of the attributes, and therefore they don't interact, each one is a king unto itself. So they're called ten crowns. And just as in the godly soul, the ten attributes are divided into two categories, the same is true also in the animal soul. Shehain, these ten crowns are sheva midesrois, seven emotions. And in the animal soul, they are evil emotions. That come from the four elements that are unholy, that are mentioned earlier, that everything is made of four elements, including also the nefesh. And from these elements, the the evil midays, the evil emotions arise. So there are seven evil emotions: the seichel hamelidon, and also the intelligence that gives birth to these emotions, hanechlak v'sholish. And this seichel is divided into three faculties. Shehein chachma bina v'adas, mokir hamidis. Chachma bina das, and they are the source of the emotions. In the godly soul, the first mentions the intellect and then the emotion. First he explains chachma bina das, and then he speaks of the love and fear of God. Here in the animal soul, the Rebbe says that the ten powers are first of all seven emotions and then the intelligence from which they come. Because in the godly soul, the intelligence is first and the midas are born literally of the intelligence. But in the animal soul, the emotions come first. And the relationship between the emotions and intellect is that the emotions are commensurate with the intelligence. They are framed by the intelligence. The intelligence draws the borders, the framework within which the emotions exist, but it doesn't literally give birth to the emotion as it is in holiness. How do we see the influence or the effect of the intelligence on the midas, on the emotions, even in the animal soul? A child desires and loves insignificant things, things of little value. Why is it that his love is caught up 
in, un, in unimportant things. Because his intelligent his intelligence is limited and he doesn't appreciate or understand the value of more important things. Same is true also with the other Mida Gvura. His Gvura is also petty. He gets angry and upset over silly things. And the same also with boasting. Boasting. What does he take pride in? What does he glorify himself with? Also in silly things. And so on with all the emotions. Then when he gets older, we find that his appreciation for things, his attraction to things, what he loves and what he hates, changes. Why does it change? Because his intelligence changed. So as he gets wiser... His emotions follow the intelligence. So it's not that the intelligence literally gives birth to the emotion, but that it guides it and determines its framework. And these ten unholy categories, when a person thinks of them or speaks of them or does them, his thought that is in his mind and the speech that is in his mouth. And the active abilities, the actions with the hands and with other organs. These are called unclean garments and they clothe the ten unclean attributes. Those powers are those attributes of the soul that are clothed in the thought, in the speech, and in the deed during the performance are being clothed in unclean garments. And what are these unclean garments in the godly soul, the thought, and speech, and deed, were thought, speech, and deed of Torah. What are the thought, speech, and deed of the ungodly soul, of the unholy soul? All the deeds, everything that a person does, anything that is performed under the sun, meaning in this world, all of it is vanity and bad for the spirit, bad for the, for the spiritual, and as it says in the Zayar and Bishalach, that these activities, all of them, are a ruination of the spiritual. Which means that we're not speaking here of evil in the sense of sinfulness or of desecration or of violation. We're speaking here of unholiness in, by the definition that al Rebbe gives later on in Tanya. Unholy means anything that is not holiness. So we might say that there is non-holy and there is unholy. We're speaking here about the non-holy. If it's not holiness, then it is non-holy. It doesn't have to be a, a, a grievous sin or a horrible transgression. If it's physical and it doesn't serve a godly purpose, then it isn't holiness. Then it's unholiness. And so what comes under the category of unholy behavior, 
Anything that isn't a mitzvah, anything that isn't done, l'shem shamayim, anything that is not done for a heavenly purpose, every thought, speech, and deed under the sun is unholy. And it is harmful to the spirit because when the neshama is dragged into these worldly activities without any redeeming godly value to it, then this is harmful to the neshama, uncomfortable to the neshama, and so on. So that the animal soul, which the Al-Tarebbe introduces here to the, to, the, to the Jewish world, is not the same as what we once thought of as Yetzirah. A Yetzirah is a voice that now and then whispers into your ear and, and tempts you to do bad things, but it isn't you. Here we see that the animal soul is very much a part of the person. It is the person. It's in the blood. It gives life to the body. It creates and gives rise to the personality of the person. The way he thinks and the way he feels, these are all coming from his animal soul. And that's why all human activity can be included in this category of attributes of or garments of the unholy animal soul. In today's Hayyem Yayim, for the fifth of Teves, the Rebbe writes that when Mashiach will come, when Mashiach will come, that men zend the mailer from Heido and Mimus. When Mashiach comes, we will fully appreciate, then we will see the greatness of acknowledgement and Tmimus. When a person acknowledges the truth and responds to the truth wholeheartedly, that's called Tmimus, earnestness, wholeheartedness. In that, this simple, clear faith that everybody believes in God that simplicity of faith will be appreciated when Mashiach comes. Talmud Fashtand is the Greste Fashtand Hotagrenitz. Learning, even the greatest learning, has, has a limit. But faith, Gleibn is I feel onagrenitz. Faith is limitless. Melech HaMashiach that given to Fashtein the Maise Godel fundet mimus Herziger Ernster Avedon Mashiach Melech HaMashiach will explain and have us understand the great achievement or the greatness of this Tmimus of earnest heartfelt Avedon in the in the annotated Hayem Yem the, uh, the commentator, Rabbi Zelikson, points out that from this point on, you can see a relationship between the daily portion of the Hayyim Yayim and the order in which the Zambam wrote the Yad HaChazaka. So, for, for example, today's day is the beginning of the Rambam, and there the Rambam writes as an introduction to Sefer Hamada which means principles of faith and of knowledge. He starts that, the Rambam starts with a pasuk of Meshei Chazdecha Liyei Deecha 
v'tzitkos chali yishrei leiv. That God brings a kindness to those who know Him, and a righteousness to those who are straight of heart, pure of heart. And here in this uh, quote for the day, the Rebbe is also speaking about the difference between knowing and believing, and that there's a great virtue to the Yishrei Leiv, which the which the Rebbe describes as Harziger Ernst der